the discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. I'm going to defy God and then stay in his backyard. And God's like, well, you didn't do very well last time, so I'm going to do it myself. Because he goes into Egypt and just dumpsters their gods. Never get a man to do a god's job. <laughs> All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. As Joel is denting um, Josh's nice <laughs> dinner table, That'd I got good. it for free. It's fun. Um, I'm not your producer today, but I am just talking about the introduction. But to my left is the actual person producing. I'm the producer Joel this week. Are we co-producing now? Yeah. Can we make it official? Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. I'm not alone in my producing. And to my left is a (laughs) non-producer. Wow, thanks. Uh, I'm Colton, and to my left... I'm Josh. Um, I am facility manager and research uh, lead. I guess I'm the only one with not position now. No, no, you're oh, the I'm rock. Not, you're right. I'm not as, a position. You're not a producer, as, right? We should as, start wearing name tags so we don't have to say it all the time. Well, Good point. You, you're not wearing a name tag just for yourself right now. You're no, uh, I'm not. You're also a critic. Mm. No, contrarian. Contrarian. Yeah. No, yes, yeah, sorry. We gave we gave you your job just like half yeah. an hour ago. You're right. Yeah. You. So from now on, there will be a consistent blog post. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, every two weeks, it can be ranged from anywhere from an audio sermon like. Josh's audio sermon and script is going to be going up shortly. Um, or you may have noticed Stuart is contributing, yep. being a founding member of the podcast, although he is not here again. Written papers, yeah. stories. Uh, uh, video critiques, yep. uh, critiques of videos, yep. uh, whatever. Um, but Things I th- that we think are worth seeing to some extent. Yeah, yeah. so Colton's going to be heading that up. So, blog man. By the way, come check out our blog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, secondrightsaints.com. Um. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, guess I guess uh, back around left is me. But yes. um, I didn't finish a book, so I don't. Ha- I, I didn't read anything. Uh, but Josh, what did you read this week? Yes, I did some uh, research recently. Um, I got given a book a while ago called "Growing Young" by Powell, Mulder, and Griffin. Um, some researchers. They, the book is actually. I think it's the best church leadership book. Oh, really? I've seen, but that's because it doesn't it doesn't talk about leadership. But it's what it so what it talks about is like like what how do how do churches grow? How do they stop hemorrhaging? By hemorrhaging, I mean lose members. Yeah, um, right. And they it's called growing young because the idea is you want to focus on essentially youth and young adults. And if you do that, it benefits all the other age demographics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because generally the idea is like if you, benef- if you f- prioritize youth and young adults, you are a lot of those young adults have young kids, mm-hmm. the majority of the young kids in the church. So you're benefiting them. You're bringing a lot of young kids to the church. And their parents see the focus you have on their kids. So the older adults okay. are benefiting from it. And by continuously focusing on young adults as time goes on, you are renewing your church as time goes on, right. not 
staying in this old identity that then gets old and out of time. And by that you mean dies. Yes. Yep. And it's very hard to break from that. Yeah. Um, and the way they talk about it is there's like six, like, six ways you do this. The way you grow young, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, the first one is unlocking keychain leadership. Uh, I'll go through like each of these in a second. The next is like empathize with today's young people. Take Jesus' message seriously. Fuel a warm community. Prioritize young people and families everywhere. And be the best of neighbors. Um, so like the first one, unlocking keychain leadership. What they mean is like you need leaders that give authority or uh, not not necessarily authority, but like leadership aspects or leadership capabilities to young people and others in the church so you like the youth leader shouldn't be the one that's doing everything mm-hmm. they should be like oh this person's good at media get them to do the media right this person's good at sound for like the worship service get that person to do it oh this person's a gifted speaker he can do half the speaking i'll do the research and i'll show him how to write a sermon or whatever but get him to do it utilizing Um, everybody's strengths yeah yeah um and what you do is you end up giving the people a purpose and so they want to participate okay if people are just consuming they'll start shopping Mm -hmm. Um, okay and they won't care about the church that's that's good um and it also shows people that like the church actually cares about them and like actually believes what they say Mm -hmm. in the idea that like oh you are you're made in the image of god you're you're capable mm-hmm. of doing things like you you have a part to play you have a responsibility on this earth yeah, yeah. um and then you also have um <clears throat> empathizing with today's young people meaning like you you listen to them to their to their struggles to their pains to their joys um and you walk alongside with them in that um as older people or as leaders okay. um so like whatever it is they're struggling with don't diminish it even if it's not the things that you struggled with or like your generation did. Yeah. But like, well, and even one of those things, <clears throat> reaching correct, people correct me if I'm right. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but one of the things, and I, and maybe it's just because mm-hmm. I've gotten slightly older. The, when I look back at my previous, like what rocked my world when I was yeah. 19, 18, even 21, yeah. um, in, in comparison to what I now see things, yeah. it's like, Oh, that, that wasn't that big of a deal. Like, mm-hmm. like, that's a, like yeah, Correct. that sucks. Yeah. But that didn't rock my world. Yeah. But mm-hmm. because that's that's the storm that they're experiencing, they haven't experienced the other storms. Yeah. To them, they might drown in that storm. Yeah. And yeah. the 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 way uh, a doctor put it is the worst pain you've experienced is the worst pain you've experienced. Yeah. 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 Like full stop. Yeah. And so for for yeah. young adults and teenagers. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's like, okay, so you, yeah. you dated this girl for six months and now you're breaking up. This yeah. isn't like the but, biggest thing. But it, for them, it's like, oh my goodness, my whole future concept of myself is shattered. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah no kidding. And if we only helped people when we thought they were their absolute lowest they ever could be, we wouldn't help anybody at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And like the age demographic is like um, 15 to like 29 okay. is the like. So like okay. all of us mm-hmm. here are still in this like what the church should prioritize um and then you've got taking jesus message seriously so like don't water down the gospel in the attempt to make it accessible like actually like um present the truth present the facts be real because today's youth more than 
any other generation that they've noticed can smell authenticity. Yep. Um, and that's been what's driving a lot of like media where they're just like, oh, that's real. That's why podcasts have been getting so huge. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is because and like real podcasts, not like fake stuff. That's why uh, cable news is like shot down. Yep. In like volume, especially with the younger demographics. Okay. Is or, because it's like they're they're just like, oh, this is fake. Yeah. This isn't real. Or or even look at uh, work when they try to mm-hmm. appeal to younger audience, like a younger workforce and stuff. Yeah. They don't go for the whole professionalism that used to be yeah. in the world even 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now it's yeah. uh, now it's a lot of that. Yeah, being real, being able to know who your employer mm-hmm. is and your employee is. Yeah. We're just one big family here at uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wendy's. It's, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's usually very transparent. Yeah, and it's just like, no, try. you're, you're trying to say these words so that I work 14 hours exactly. for minimum wage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's... Which is, they can tell. Yeah. Which I'm almost going to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, what they really want is, is like, no, like, if you, if you actually... If you're actually spreading Jesus' message mm-hmm. and it checks out, then they're like, oh, this this matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one is fueling a warm community. And what they mean by that is like, this is the exact thing we were talking about with Wendy's where it's like, like it's an actual family, <laughs> not a yeah. not a fake one. Yeah. Where it's like... Like you wh- said, authenticity. Yeah. yeah. And it's so like, like a place where one of the things they mentioned uh, is like when they did their studies um, is... It doesn't matter what kind of building you have. It doesn't matter how many people in the church. It doesn't matter the production value of worship. Those things are like in the like the list of like in like out of twenty, all the things that people look for in a church, they're in like mm. the bottom ten. Yeah. Mm. The not like number three is do I feel at home? Brown carpets. Yeah. Because it churches matter. will split over that. Brown carpets is like three. Yeah. But like <laughs> we'll say that for one of our other segments um it people like when they get down to it like people will complain about like their church or like they're not putting enough money into like the the carpets right but like when it comes down to it people will meet with 10 people in some dude's backyard Mm -hmm. every sunday if they feel like there's a community yeah Um, absolutely if they feel like they're at home if they feel like they're actually experiencing the fellowship yeah. Christ's body. I think a lot of that, a lot of that is caused by the fact that mm-hmm. social media is so big that they don't get these kinds of community love places. So we should make the church, or at least parts of the church, like that. Absolutely, be that community. Absolutely, um, and then prioritizing young people and families everywhere. And what they mean, it's a, this seems like redundant because we're like, oh, this whole thing's about prioritizing young people. What they mean is, is that like when you have like a church that's like. Uh, Churches that prioritize young people will put their budget into young people. Mm-hmm. If they just say they're prioritizing young people because they mm-hmm. give them like the young adults room in the basement and it's like moldy half the time. I hate that. <laughs> right? I'm so angry. But they'll but, let them play cards down there. Yeah. Whoa. Um, <laughs> wait, wait. They're playing cards <laughs> down there? They're watching rook, it's, movies? It's rook cards. Oh yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah. This, you're playing, playing Uno, right? Now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, not even cribbage. Oh, that's got that's got, got some cards in it. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I'm going on a tangent. Okay, so yeah. can I just uh, jump in and see if I can tie together yeah. two of those points? Because here's what I'm thinking about. We're supposed to appeal to the younger generation, mm-hmm. or I guess appeal to them, whatever that looks like, right? Go for things that they care about. Right now, social justice issues are huge. Yeah. Mm. But how do we take the word of God seriously in its entirety? Yeah. 
and apply it to the social issues of today yeah. when they lived in yeah. such a socially different world back yeah. then. This is, a, this is a good question, and they handle that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure really? it's covered. Really? That's why yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's in the Be the Best of Neighbors. Mm-hmm. And what they, that's like the next part. And so like with the prioritizing the young people everywhere, mm-hmm. what they say is like put the budget into young adults and youth ministry, not yeah. just saying you're focusing on it, but like actually making it part of it. Put them in the worship service. Put them in positions where they're like helping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, focus on like if there's a if there's a if you can sacrifice an old tradition, not a theological tradition, mm-hmm. but like a like a church just cultural thing yeah. for the new generation. One of the examples they give is like there's this one area where it was um, predominantly Hispanic, mm-hmm. and it was all Spanish church services but the Mm -hmm. third generation immigrants were they they didn't speak spanish as well Mm -hmm. like their children so Mm -hmm. what they did was they changed half their services to english for their kids yeah right Right. more of their kids started showing up to church Mm -hmm. because before they couldn't understand half of what was being said yeah um and so like stuff like that where it's just like prioritize for the people that the church is growing into not the people that are going out that's the easiest way i can say it and then with the the being the best of friends to get to your point mm-hmm. is um basically like do missional work kids these days care a lot young adults care a lot about helping people mm-hmm. um change changing bad stuff into good stuff yeah. social justice the how do you get that done with the taking the gospel seriously yeah is you have the honest conversation yeah what is what is the bible saying about this issue in culture today yeah and then deal with uh work in the social justice issue Mm -hmm. with that ethic yeah okay so like um kids care a lot about like rights today right and so it's like okay well yeah well god cares a lot about people too yeah and so like but you you have to be authentic to the gospel yeah. message, and like if there's people coming into the church mm-hmm. that are struggling with a lot of that stuff, one of the things that they do they suggest is like be open to people that are not there yet, mm-hmm. accepting and by presenting the gospel but accepting mm-hmm. them if they don't want to be there that's fine, but by being authentic but dealing with the issues is the best way to do it. Yeah. Well, I think I think in our current culture, with and this might just be a hot topic, mm-hmm. but I think a great example of this, um, and this affects more in the states where in Canada, so this doesn't matter. Yeah. With the overturning of Roe versus Wade, no matter how that goes, one way or the other, and how we stand on that morally, yeah. is an opportunity for churches to go. Oh, this is an ethical issue. Yeah. Okay. We need to pounce on the idea of uh, helping. Widows, young mothers, Absolutely. single mothers, um, or as James orphans. Say, a true religion is exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so there's your biblical ethic that's your foundation, yeah. and then you have your social justice problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you start actually living out the gospel in that, yeah, in that area, in that mode, yeah. especially when there's such a such a focus on it culturally right now. Yeah. I think that would be. I think, as far as I can yes. tell, would be embodying what that what you're talking about yeah. there. <laughs> especially since one of the. Uh, one of the things like, with specifically this idea is that one of the things that people criticize the church and stuff for is not helping these people when they're the ones who are mm-hmm. primarily arguing for certain ways or whatever. Or 
doing so poorly or doing so very poorly yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. so trying to actually help and yeah. doing good stuff yeah would just i think a lot of people would see that yeah. as just yeah. a good thing a well I, I, I think that would be the i think that would yeah. be the natural uh implementation of some of those chapters that you're talking yeah. about there josh or um you have a lot of problems with identity today yeah. mm-hmm. um sure. and so like well what is what does the bible say about what humans are and then but be loving and accepting of people who are struggling mm-hmm. and being like sure. hey like you don't feel accepted in society because you are telling the world that you you don't feel like you are who you are well here's a we care about people who are struggling with who they are and we want to help you mm-hmm. like yeah. do you need a family that is going to like be there for you regardless of the struggles you're going through yeah you sure you we might not because your value is deeper than your identity yeah and we might not necessarily agree but you know like we're gonna we're gonna take care of you and regardless of where you land we're gonna help mm-hmm. and so like that's what they mean by like that's how you square those ideas yeah. of like mm-hmm. yeah put effort that, in yeah yeah that is awesome i actually that, is, that, that does cool. sound like a good yeah. book yeah um However, we're going to continue on with our with our topics. Before Absolutely. we do, do you want to say what the title of the book was again, and who oh, wrote it? Growing young, growing young by uh, three uh, pastors, teachers slash uh, researchers, mm. uh, uh, Powell, Mulder, and Griffin. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, Very cool. Last week, we got Josh's comments on Mark and his. Yes. What makes Mark unique and all that kind of stuff. We're going to move on to Matthew now with Joel. Mm-hmm. Um, taking the lead on that. Take it away. Yeah. So I actually like that this is where we landed on the what have you read because I think it mm-hmm. ties in like weirdly with Matthew. And then that is um, you present the gospel in a way that is relevant to your culture. Yes. Right. And I think that's something that Matthew does very well because yeah. he is the most Jewish of the gospels, <laughs> um, which, of course, the uh, early Christians would have been largely Jews. Right. First yeah. for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. That's what we're working with. So uh, one thing I, I found when I was when I was researching this week was um, the reason it's listed as the first gospel is kind of arbitrary. Um, but it's very, very early. So it's like a, a tradition that we just like set in and for some reason it's just stuck um, as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Even though that doesn't indicate the, the, um, the chronology or even the topics, really. Um, yeah. That was interesting. Sorry, Josh, were you going to say something? Because you sent me some notes on this as well, this specific thing. Yeah. No, I was going to say, is it ordered Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Because I've never <laughs> thought about this. It's like I know it's synoptics and then John. Yeah. Mm. Um, but like, is it because like Matthew and Luke share with Mark, so Mark's in the middle? <laughs> it could be that. I mean, yeah. uh, that's that's another thing is that the gospel that shares the most with Matthew is, of course, Mark. Yeah. And there's a couple of different reasons for this. Um, one of which would just be Mark was the first gospel. It's called Mark and Priority. Mm-hmm. We covered that last week um, in our episode on Mark. Um, but it could also be that there was an earlier version of Matthew, possibly in Hebrew. Um, yes. Aramaic. Yeah. I've heard both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's actually both. Hmm. Um, but the one That's I found was Hebrew. To me. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it might not even be just one copy of it, but it could be um, just a proto-Matthew that is bits and pieces yeah. um, passed through. Sure. Yeah. Um, a Q document. Yeah. That's what's called the, called the Q document. It's... Yeah. 
um, some German word, because I think we've already yeah. brought this up as well, because it has to do with Mark. Cal. But it, it shares the most um, information with Mark. Yeah. There's um, also, um, there's, a, there's an idea, like they found, um, sorry, Matthew was a tax collector. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like this idea that he may have, like tax collectors in Galilee were known for taking copious amounts of notes uh, yeah. of everything. Right. So there's and, just a notebook out there. Well, and that, yeah, my understanding is that the majority of the text that is shared between Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, that would be this Q source, yeah. is the majority of Jesus' teachings, sayings, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, it would not be out of this world for someone who's a data type, hoard collecting, writing yeah. down scribe, to write down the sermons and notes mm. and sayings of Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that that could have been. Matthew's proto gospel, which could For be sure. Q For sure. or could not be. Yeah. Right. Uh, Again, Q, Q doesn't... is almost always a, a collection. Like, there's nothing we can agree on that would be one document. Yeah. Right. It, it could be Q, could mm-hmm. be several things, but yeah. yeah. And in case there's any conspiracy theorists listening to our uh, podcast, um, this Q is not the same Q no. from no, the, no, no. the January 6th stuff happening in the U.S. Yeah. Just so everybody knows. You, you went that way. I don't even know yeah. if I knew about that, to be yeah. honest with you. And I'm a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <laughs> no, not exactly. Just in case. You talked about awesome. QAnon? Yeah. We were talking about Q was, and you went to QAnon. I was avoiding <laughs> saying We're going to be flagged yeah. on Spotify now. This is wonderful. Exactly. That's this why I tried wonderful. not to say it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool, cool, cool. Awesome. No, the the better the just, better and cooler <laughs> Q. So no, that's cool. Come on. Back to the topic. And we're back. <laughs> um, so one thing that I was uh, researching about Matthew was the date and authorship, which is something that I guess we're going to be talking about in the Gospels. It mm-hmm. becomes less and less relevant depending on where you put Mark. Um, but one thing Caleb brought up to me, which I didn't think was a thing and then he's like no here's my source and then he slapped a commentary in front of me um, was uh that it actually might be after 70 ad yes, after the, the fall, fall of jerusalem yeah. so that's like uh huge for dating the gospels and even dating the the paul's letters as well right right um would be that it's after 70 ad which is the destruction of jerusalem or the siege of jerusalem sorry wasn't completely destroyed, but mm-hmm. it, was, it, was it, was close. it was in bad shape. Okay, yeah. you can read up on that for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like his focus on on Jewish literature or uh, the rabbinic movement mm-hmm. um, and his knowledge of it would indicate that uh, it's actually after, um, yes. which mm. I didn't think was a thing before at all. Um, and the reason they would think that is because rabbinic movement wasn't a huge thing. Um, during the life of Christ, but became a thing afterwards. As far as I can tell, it's his. It's the way he approaches things. It's the questions yeah. that he that he that he answers. Mm-hmm. It's his emphasis on on weird, not uh, weirdly specific Jewish topics. Yeah. Right. Um, the confrontation with these with the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Uh, the confrontation is slightly. The emphasis is put on more. Uh, so the Pharisees grew into the rabbinic uh, mm-hmm. Judaism yeah. and, um, movement, and it's and it's. The emphasis appears to be on those transitory points. Okay. And so now, as far as I could tell, as far as I was reading, mm-hmm. was that that's, uh, that's internal evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, all internal evidence is, norm- is normally categorized pretty weak when it comes to authorship and date. Yeah. But it's not nothing. Yeah. And particularly okay. with, with Matthews, it seems to be there's a lot of people who go, no, it can't be Matthew. Well, then who? 
<laughs> right. Somebody. Yeah. Well, well, it can't be before 70. Well, then when? Yeah. And so when there's a little shred of internal evidence, it's like, well, at least that's something. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and, and one of the, okay, one of the actual, like you said, internal evidences is his deterring of hate for the Gentiles. Because likely the Jews wouldn't have super loved everyone outside of, right. uh, you know, when they had just been attacked. Yeah, not not just attacked. That the people inside their capital, which was being sieged, were eating their children because yeah. they were being horrifying. Yeah. Some of the accounts that come yeah. out of uh, the siege of Jerusalem. Well, and they also destroyed the temple, the yeah. Yeah. the holy city of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God is no longer with His people. Yeah. yeah, they stole God from them in their mm-hmm. eyes. Yeah, which, if you view Matthew in this sense. It makes the Great Commission wild because it's a literal commanding of the diaspora, right? Go okay. out. Okay. It's anyways. Hmm. It's it's Neither. crazy to me. Um, yeah. But it does show that there was an effort um, outside of just Paul to reach the Gentiles from a Jewish standpoint, which is super okay. weird um, and not something I thought about before really doing the research on it. Yeah, so that's kind of the, the fun facts and dating that I found. Hmm. Um, any notes on that, you guys? In terms of authorship, is it, like you said, there's not super many uh, other yeah. people supported for it. Is there any specific standouts that some people think could have written it? Not really. It's actually mm-hmm. one of the most solid of authorships Perfect. out of the Gospels. That makes it, it a lot easier. Um, aside from maybe Luke. I'm not sure Uh-oh. about Luke. I haven't done the research on that, but I feel like I it's... I think that one's pretty strong. I yeah. Th- I think well. these two, mm-hmm. mainly because Matthew, it's like, it's tied to Matthew super early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then there's no other proposed differences. Yeah. And also the context, again, this would be based off of internal evidence, references northern Israel, Palestine, yeah. Yeah. region, um, at west, Mesopotamia, west uh, Mediterranean, right. which is which would be where we think Matthew was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so things just line up, and it and it was given it, and its specific- authorship right away. So it's like, yeah. why? Eh. Specifically, the, the apostle, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about the apostle specifically. And, uh, Is there another Matthew? No, I just want to be clear. Okay. No, there's uh, Matthias. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which becomes yeah. an apostle. So. Yeah, replacement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Judas too. Uh, not replacement theology. Hold on. No. Wait, wait a second. Yeah, we're just going to keep like saying things we don't mean on the podcast. <laughs> Um, uh, no, the one thing I saw for the authorship though was mm-hmm. like it, like Matthew using Mark or this prototype mm-hmm. as like the basis for his gospel, and then like adding on to it mm-hmm. was not an uncommon practice for ancient historians, so yeah. to speak. Um, I send you guys this, but it was like Xenophon, the Greek historian, yeah. um, did the same thing with one of him and this other historian. Both were eyewitness to these events while they were on like travels and then the other guy wrote this document which mm. became the standard historical document mm-hmm. right xenophon just took that added a bunch of stuff onto it and that became xenophon's yeah. and now xenophon's is the one that we have in his like in the books yeah. mm-hmm. okay um and so it was like it's not uncommon because like paper and ink cost so much yeah. and like if you both are writing the same thing mm-hmm. just well, it is one of the things that like even if it wasn't completely written by matthew mm-hmm. it was probably transmitted by Matthew. Yeah. That he would have written stuff down and then passed it on, and that's how it became known as Matthew's Gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's that's actually something I'm noticing as we're going through the Gospels. It's like, it doesn't matter as much who wrote them. 
It's weird, eh? <laughs> Which is yeah. super weird because we have this thing about op- apostolic authorship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where we have like a, a standard that's got to meet. Every- and they do technically meet them. It, it does matter when you come into like canonization and how we oh, canonize yeah. books. But outside of that context, I don't think anybody cares too, too much about who wrote it specifically. Yeah. I mean, uh, it matters with I mean, letters. I care. I the, care. The, the, um, the Gospels themselves, it matters less. Sure. Uh, unless you start to make the eyewitness accounts um, argument with, from them. Although the eyewitness yeah. accounts can be just as, can be argued just as well out of Paul. Sure. When he's like, the, and this many people saw Jesus alive, and many mm-hmm. of which are still alive. That in of itself yeah. kind of makes that point. Um, and from an apologetic standpoint, it also makes it more solid. Yeah. 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 Um, but eh, really, actually, all the Gospels, it wouldn't matter. It would matter less about the authorship of the Gospels and more about date, date. when it comes to apologetics. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's weird, eh? It's, it's really interesting to see how that all plays together. Um, some of the themes in Matthew is uh, the fulfillment of the, the prophecies by Christ. Mm. And, and one thing that's noted is, is more than fulfillment of prophecy, um, which is seen in the other Gospels, since Matthew has such a heavy um, kind of history of Israel bent to, to his writing, mm-hmm. yeah. um, it kind of becomes more like Jesus is fulfilling history or he's fulfilling religion, right? He is the epitome of, of what has come before. And since he's ministering to mm-hmm. this Jewish community, he's very much emphasizing these points, right? Um, so his focus on fulfillment would be uh, even his presentation of Christ as a new Moses um, in the... In the birth account, when he goes out to Egypt, mm-hmm. he's warned right. by the angel, and then he's off to Egypt for a couple of years, right? Yeah. That's Moses. I draw my son out of Egypt. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. it's like he, which, he focuses on that because he knows oh, whatever Jewish reader is going to be like, oh, that's Moses. Which is interesting because that ties Moses, but that also goes the whole my son out of Egypt, which then ties yeah. into the messianic king stuff because sure. God's son, mm-hmm. the adopted son, is the king of Israel. Yeah. So well, it's... Sorry. Also, what? can I just point out the fact that he says, draw my son out of Egypt? Moses' name means to draw out. Yeah. Oh, that's a pun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going I'm to Moshe Yeshua. That's awesome. Um, but there's, there's a lot of those, isn't it? Like there's, Moses' there's, whole life is a, is a joke, is what you're saying? Joel? No, it's, no, puns aren't just jokes. They're I know, fun. I know. <laughs> puns aren't just jokes. They're fun. <laughs> I'm a theologian. <laughs> Second rate, uh, of course. Second rate, saved. Caleb, you were making a point. I don't know. I just I, I found it interesting that Matthew. I, I wrote a paper on this long, long time ago. Can't even find it anymore. But how like so Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was year one. Probably not a good paper. Oh, okay. um, so it might be a good thing I couldn't find It'll it. Be on the blog tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> but I found it interesting how many times Matthew just ties Old Testament themes yeah. over and over, and it almost mm-hmm. kind of like braids them together. Mm-hmm. As the as the gospel progresses, yeah, it's mm. super weird. Well, what he's doing when he when he references these Old Testament because he he does the the Egypt thing, um, draw him out of Egypt. He also does the wilderness wandering with the um, sure. you know driving again dri- driving out. Would that be the same? No, probably not no. the same wording. But still, no. um, going out into the wilderness for forty days, forty nights, <gasps> whole thing. If that ties with them wandering around in the desert, is there also a tie with them and being exiled? This, this, this is happening right the, now. Ain't the, gonna lie. For um, the desert? Like, they're, exile? For Jesus' uh, time in the desert? Yeah. 
No. But was he, he wasn't driven out, was he? Well, the, the verb's actually, the verb is he is driven out or commanded out or thrown out or okay. it's this, the spirit no. puts him. The crucifixion. The crucifixion would be exile? No. Yeah. I, I'm not there. This is a new thought? We're going to stop this. Yeah. This is Think called, about uh, this. It's called typological theories. <laughs> the theology on the fly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is all just typology, which is very relevant to Matthew, and you're just finding specific instances throughout all of Scripture, and then creating like a type, and then you see it through the Old Testament, and then boom, it's in the New Testament fulfillment, and that's a huge thing in Matthew. Right. Um, so he did the Egypt wilderness wandering, and then also the the Son of Man, um, mm. or and also the Son of God. So Son of God could be like. Um, Israel are the children of God, so this is the Son of God, firstborn among many brothers. You'll see that in Paul later. But also, his referencing to, to Daniel uh, brings in this whole, a whole new aspect, which is the, the uh, what is it? It brings it's the in com- the kingdom stuff. Yeah, it's the coming kingdom of, of, uh, of Christ. And it's sort of, so think about what happens in Daniel. They're delivered out of exile, sort of. Right by Cyrus, who is considered a messiah, or the word messiah is used for him like mm-hmm. a savior. Right, it wouldn't be that weird for us to use now, except we don't use messiah for anything else now, so it gets weird. Like I've brought this up with people mm-hmm. who don't, you know, haven't learned Hebrew, and they're like, "Oh, why is it the same word?" I'm like, "Well, you use the same word for stuff." <laughs> right? Yeah, you, you, right. you could say savior is like, "Oh man, you're an absolute savior today," yeah. and it's like or- you don't mean. Jesus. Ontologically, you're saving everybody. <laughs> in in movies, there's like yeah. there's always like a messiah figure, yeah. or like yeah. um, Neil, like they'll favorite. actually refer to characters as a messiah. Well, that's actually a good example of a type, really. Yeah. Like, anyways, yeah. it's a whole thing. Superman. Yeah. But what he's doing here is he's setting up Christ as having the authority to change Jewish religion, um, which is super weird. Okay. Um, yeah. And by that. I'm going to give a specific example. No, that's, no, not that's, that's, that's different. Okay, okay. Um, him changing how we see the Sabbath um, with the Pharisees okay. when they come up. So this is one of the, the instances where he um, is combating the Pharisees. Like you said, the rabbinic uh, movement um, would have been combating some of the uh, pharisaical thought, <laughs> the, the people that Jesus is talking to. Okay, so when he brings that up um, about... David going into the temple um, and taking the, the bread and it's fine could eat it on the Sabbath because you're the Lord's anointed. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would be able to do that if he didn't set up the precedent of Christ already being in command of this culture, of being able to... Um, right. It would be different like he was trying to overthrow Judaism, but he's really not. Yeah. He's kind just of like shedding... the prophets of old who could command yeah. God's voice kind of thing. Well, m- maybe I can try to Iron it. Maybe iron I'm on because this is one of the tangents I went on. No, I like found my my information. I'm like, this seems like. Well, a there, there is there is a thing here going on. I, I, at least I think I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, because Christ is set up not just as like prototypical um, Israel, though he is. Mm-hmm. He's not just set up as Israel's king, though he is. Mm-hmm. Um, like king in that moment. Um, He's not just set up as the king that's going to inherit the everlasting kingdom, the son of man in Daniel 7, though he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also very much the prophet teacher. Yeah. That's okay. having all of like the Sermon on the Mount, the all right? of the, yeah. yeah. It, like this is, this is a, 
all of those theme, themes coincide together. And what do you get? Yeah. What do you get when you have the teaching prophet with the authority of the king? Or or a priest and a king. Yeah, I would go with the yeah. teacher prophet though. Yeah. Because priest. In, yeah, but yeah. teacher prophet gets into his sermons. Yes, priests true. don't do sermons. Sure. Sure. Jewish priests don't. Yeah. Um and so that's why that's emphasized differently. Fair. Sorry, but No, no, that's good. <laughs> um but what happens when you mix the teacher prophet with the authority of the king mixed with that Danielic son of man figure that's selected out by God mm. to reign forever? Well, yeah. you get the certain amount of authority that goes, "Oh, I am the leader of God's people." Mhm. I I am the one with that authority too, as Joel was mm-hmm. saying. Yeah, um, we've been doing... You, you guys misinterpreted this Sabbath thing. You guys are off base here. And he also has the authority to institute the new covenant. Right, okay. Um, which yeah. I, I think is where kind of where you were going with there, Joel. I don't know if I, yeah, I smoothed no, that out at all. It. but Which this goes into like the, the old like one... Uh, God said there will be one like Moses. Again, yeah, yep. one who is leading the whole of Israel and also instituting covenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, yeah. with all that, because of Daniel seven and King and Son of Man, because those are different but tied together in Jesus, mm-hmm. um, you get kingdom stuff, like wild amount of mm-hmm. kingdom of God stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know enough about that as much as I as I. In my studies, I didn't cover that enough. Mm-hmm. What did What did you get in your studies, there, Joel? For For the kingdom of God, yeah, in in um, Matthew. So I, I think again, he is. I actually did have a note on this. Um, so the messianic son of David, mm-hmm. in the way that he's referred to, is pseudo nationalistic. I love it. <laughs> right, <laughs> like it is claiming. Claiming the kings of old. Like, that's literally yeah, it. Sure. It's, we want to restore our kingdom. It's mm-hmm. very nationalistic. Not, it's, it's all over the place. So, Matthew doesn't actually have any hesitation uh, calling Jesus the Messiah. That's fine. The kingdom of God, as presented by Matthew, mm-hmm. is, is a presentation than a paradox. Right? So, okay. it, it's a leading up to the... Um, establishment of his kingdom and and much like um him claiming all these these very jewish uh, isms to uh mm-hmm. to jesus character that he is uh moses and then he's you know all this imagery that we would know these types that we would know right he's building up christ as a messiah like cyrus the great who's about to deliver all of the people out of exile and then in a twist he dies <laughs> that's the big yeah. twist in matthew yeah. <laughs> right. So I think well, what he's doing, gospel, he's so doing a bait yeah. and switch here. He's building up to um, this is what you would expect from the kingdom of God. But no, the kingdom of God is not is not uh, death for the cause of victory, but the death of one man for the victory of all, kind of a thing. Right. <laughs> so again, I think it's a bait and switch scenario. Which I guess if you're paying okay. attention for to all the metaphors and the mm-hmm. teachings and all the uh, the the stories and preaching of Christ. You should expect that there's going to be a switch. There's going to be a weird mm-hmm. right. It's uh, not going to be reversal. A, it's not going to be the bog standard. Christ then destroys Rome and conquer, <laughs> conquers all um, of it. Yeah. And then does this? Does he? Does that also play into the to the Great Commission? Hundred percent. Like yeah. 
like how, like yes, it's a nationalistic kingdom, but the nationalist of the kingdom is world encompassing. Yeah. 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 Well, even the vassal idea. Okay, so <laughs> when we're back in Deuteronomy and it's considered a, a Hittite treaty, this is a super niche thing that you probably a lot of people haven't heard of or haven't thought mm -hmm. about or don't care about, but I'm going to talk about it anyways because it's something I love. And it's the thought of um, Earth being a vassal state of heaven. Yes. Right? And, and in Deuteronomy, there's the, um, the Ten Commandments that are brought down from the mountain, and then one copy is kept for the people and one is kept for God, but both are in the Ark of the Covenants, the whole thing. This is symbolizing Israelites, uh, or Israel's status as a vassal state of heaven. So what a vassal state is, is um, there's a larger kingdom that has uh, control or um, you have to swear allegiance to. It's a whole thing. It's a way to conquer without killing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what's happening on earth when Christ comes. And once again, it is God on heaven and God in heaven and God on earth, right? Which also ties back to Cyrus because he used suzerain vassal treaties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, vassal yeah, treaties yeah. were a thing yeah. used all throughout the, the Old yeah. Testament and into the New Testament. Um, the here and not yet idea of the kingdom be tied in with that moment of Jesus' death. Like this idea that it's building up to a conquest of some kind, then he dies, so it's not physical. But then him coming back is showing that, yes, it's already been... Like we, we've talked about the here <laughs> and not yet <laughs> in other ones. I think it was... Salvation? Sanctification. Uh, sanctification. Yeah. We talked about it. Um, and because the kingdom is here, but also isn't here yet, mm -hmm. um, is Jesus' death supposed to, sh like at least in the way that Matthew shows it, is it supposed to show that Jesus, mm -hmm. Jesus' Kay. death both brings... Sure, that Both might be the Davidic... cuts off the whole idea of a physical coming, but shows that the, that his resurrection shows that it is still here. Like that's the catalyst. The, Maybe the... if you look at like the Davidic covenant of you will have a son on the throne forever and ever, okay. um, and that's what the messianic prophecies are yeah. are trying to do there. I'm wording this very proper. Pro no, I'm, I'm trying to kind of. <laughs> I feel like we've just gone into generic Old Testament typology. Sure. Um, uh, that is Matthew's. That is my yeah. <laughs> well, that yeah, is my favorite yeah. thing. But whatever. Um, so if you say it's the the kingdom is here and not yet, it's, you could say David was on the throne, but he was not yet there eternally. Right? Ooh, okay. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Basically, so let me, let me so yes, Israel is the kingdom is yeah. It's the children of God on earth, right? But then there's the Son of God, which instates the the kingdom sure. of God. Sure. Well, uh, let let me say it this way. Um, does the, uh, in your research, from what you've seen, I mm -hmm. don't know, uh, does the death and resurrection of Christ, because of all this typology stuff, is mm -hmm. that specific part reference, uh, bring in any typology of the kingdom to show a different type of kingdom? That specific is death and resurrection in that moment. Does that have anything to do with this here and not yet in terms of a kingdom? Well, so you're asking about what is the atonement theology of Matthew? No, no, I'm, no, mis like, what, I'm misunderstanding. What, what typology? What typology is represented in the death and resurrection? Can, can, can I try? Yeah, go sure. for it. Yep. Um, I think Matthew is referencing the idea of how Christ becomes king, like right. fully. Um, there's ton, like his whole thing before Pilate, as with the Gospels, but highlighted in um, Matthew is that whole like, "Are you king of the Jews?" Ah, so you have said, and there's all this 
talk not just in the sign above him, which is very important in Matthew. It's his enthronement. Right. It's his. This is the the uh, what's it called when they when a king becomes coronation. Yeah, um, and the crowds are ah. He said he's king of the Jews. Ah ha ha. Um, <laughs> but actually, the last time kingdoms mentioned in the biblical text is at the um, at communion when Lord the Lord's Supper. At the Last Supper. Oh, okay. Um, and then it's not mentioned. Um, but it's talked as though it is. Like you end up with, hey, go throughout the world. Um, mm-hmm. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Right. The implication is because I died and have come back. Okay. Um, because he is enthroned. He is king. He yeah. is in control. Um, and he will be with us until the end, end of the age. And I think that that's the thing that Matthew's emphasizing okay. with his death and resurrection. To, to add on to that, because, okay, that, that's interesting, and I, I understand. But the uh, is there, because of typologies that he's building up Jesus as the prophet, then, then the priest, then pseudo-king, pseudo-god, whatever, son of man, all that. Um, and then it's, if it were playing out like, say, a movie or a, or a a script. Mm-hmm. The plot is moving forward. It's showing that Christ is going to be king. All of this building up to it, but then he dies. Mm-hmm. Is that death and resurrection supposed to show that the this idea of this building up is completely different from how it was supposed to? Where it was all before building up a physical kingdom, but then it shows like, wow, look at it, it's not. Although well, hinted at before. Well, I think I think his his sermons, his depiction of, hey, this is the kingdom, but it's not like that. Okay. The kingdom is like, and then he gives an odd analogy that everybody's like, what is, what is he talking about? Mm-hmm. Right? Like the kingdom's like a tree or the kingdom's like a, and his Sermon on the Mount is not what a almost general is going to start saying. Right. His entire buildup of the kingdom is weird, right? And you have the whole people, you have the, the 5,000, they're like, hey, let's make him a king. And he's like, ah, no, backing out of there. And so you, you do have this idea that you do have, I think, what you're getting at there you do have that there's this expectation this like generic expectation of oh if he's king yeah he'll take it by force yeah because that's what you would do if you're if you have that nationalistic hope Mm -hmm. from daniel and you have the idea of david in your mind Mm -hmm. what do you do well Mm -hmm. you take you you storm jerusalem right um but he storms jerusalem on a donkey Mm. on palm sunday Mm -hmm. and all of his teachings are about self-sacrifice and he has authority to do so um, and he has the authority to reinterpret the Sabbath. And like you have like the, the let's say the the disharmony between the expected Messiah and the Messiah that's depicted in right. Christ as dying and raising. The uh, the disharmony there begins right from right from chapter one. Yeah, is it's it's not just all of a sudden bam, it's there when he dies. It's like there's this growing tension of this is what we expect. But this is not what he's presenting, yeah. and then it just grows wider, wider, a, a wider, wider, of wider, what wider. A Messiah can, would be. Can I yeah. use a Jewish image to present this? Like to present absolutely. This um, there's the idea in throughout the Old Testament that the temple is a physical symbol of what it is in reality above. Mm-hmm. What the, right. the the temple of heaven so, or the heavenly reality of God as below, so above. As above, so below. Whatever. Yeah. As a, as below, so above is the alchemists. Um, um, huh. Yeah. Uh, so so as above, so as above, so below. The idea that the God gives them a physical image for what it is in the heavenly right. reality, the truer mm-hmm. uh, reality. Um, so like the the way the temple is organized, or the way Eden is organized, or the way Jesus 
in the intermediary story with Jairus's daughter is like organized with the people is all images of how like God's presence and his people and the world is organized. Um, okay. And you've got this idea of as above, so below. I think what Matthew is doing is he's using that idea and showing us that all of the old ideas about the Messiah, King, prophet, mm-hmm. kingdom ideas were physical images like the temple of the heavenly reality that would be real. That is in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That this Jesus is the heavenly reality of this earthly image that has been given to them th- for the last 1500 years. Mm-hmm. And he's what tying specific image are we talking about now? All of them. So, all of them. So okay. the, the prophet, the king, the, the, uh, the, the, the mix, the son of man, the kingdom of God uh, at Israel as a whole mm-hmm. are all the physical instantiations of this heavenly reality that is now become that is now intermingling with the physical yeah and when that takes place in actual time there's a yeah. snap that has to happen between yeah. expectation and the reality yeah. right they start seeing the heavenly reality and they can't make sense of it because of this mm-hmm. well they they're seeing bits and pieces of it in the heavenly reality and it's mm-hmm. it's because the heavenly reality is the reason we have the physical symbols is yeah. because the heavenly reality is not entirely comprehensible. And so Matthew, what he's doing is, is he's merging mm-hmm. those ideas because Jesus has been presenting them to his followers. Right. Yeah. And then the crucifixion and the resurrection is when it happens. Yes. And then from okay. that point on, yeah. the, the heavenly reality starts taking place. Well, that would explain the tearing of the curtain. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that would explain the tearing of the curtain. That would explain why Jesus is saying, okay, now this physical kingdom is going to go out into the world. Okay. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Did that kind of answer yeah. your question there, Colton? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I'm, I'm going to ask a little bit different, but yeah. another theme that I would have, that I assumed was more prevalent. Mm-hmm. However, in my studyings, it wasn't, it didn't pop up, uh, obviously to me. Um, did you guys get anything with, uh, the, uh, Isaiah suffering servant? Like, obviously that's there. Yes, but is it expli- Is the is Matthew making explicit um, claims to it, or is he just obviously being affected by the 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 message, like the the history of it, mm-hmm. the uh, the cultural um, understanding of it? But Matthew oftentimes will write as is written, as is written, right? Like so, the yeah. fulfillment of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't find a place where he did that with. Isaiah's suffering servant, although obviously it's still in there typologically, whether intentionally yeah. or not. Um, sure. Did you guys find anything? About I did not. I didn't either. No, and I thought no. that was interesting. I, th- I think if you're going to find it anywhere, it's going to be Matthew, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's more I mean, of a sorry. There's definitely stuff there. I mean, uh, you'll you'll find it closer to like Passion Week and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just not intentional. It's not explicitly in the text. No, but there's there's images that would. It, it would almost be like, so, so Isaiah, right, mm-hmm. is alluding to the Psalms, and then the Psalms that he's alluding to are then a, implied in Christ's life. Yeah, well, it's... Right? it's like it's, the stone the builder rejected. The Bible right? is yeah. actually making its own typology there. It's hyperlinked, dude. It's all over the place. <laughs> like, you click on one, you're going to a thousand. It's yeah. awesome. Um, <laughs> but it's... it's, it's inter- I, I just found it interesting that it's not one of those explicit themes yeah. that... Matthew's dealing with, although clearly it is influenced in his writings, and you're not just justified in doing it, but if you're writing typological patterns within Matthew, it's there. It's like you couldn't avoid it. Yeah. 
because if it's true, it's going to be there. Well, if that's if that's yeah. the events that happen, then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's just like 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 if you if you're yeah. Anyways, that's another wild idea. <laughs> if it if something's true, you're going to hit on true things. Like it, or like if something's beautiful, it's going to hit truth. And so, <laughs> like, um, like why why a lot of profound truths even outside of the Bible, touch on things the Bible talks about. And it's because like mm-hmm. all these things, if they actually are true, oh, are going to hit, okay. hit on the same things and you can't avoid it. Right. And because we're geared all generally to find what is, we real. have the value hierarchy oriented similarly towards each other. Yep. So mm-hmm. what about, yeah. um, I think we're going to go, do you have more of your more points there, Joel? Actually, that's, that's most of what I did. Okay. You know, I, I wish I could have gotten more into the, 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 meat and potatoes text of it mm-hmm. right just like go mm-hmm. right through um unfortunately didn't have time to do this week, this week so no, that's... no we'll cover it again i'm sure to, but... to lightly cover um yeah when i was because in school uh when i was first taught about things like structuring and themes and stuff mm-hmm. of uh of matthew is it this gospel that was emphasized that has kind of like four structural areas that people give it Generally, is if I remember the f- the first being uh, Jesus as the prophet teacher, as you like to say, then then more of a priest role than as a king role than as the Messiah role, as he's emphasized more of. That that's what I've heard, but I mean I can see how that's overlaid. Um, I mean we do get a lot of uh, you know post crucifixion in Matthew, like I think the most actually. Sure. No, mm. that or Luke. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. No, John okay. might be up there. I'd have to see. Oh, okay. yeah, I'd have cool. to see. I shouldn't be just quoting facts that, that um, might not exist. That. I don't. I I've always heard that as a thing that goes over all the gospels when they're talking yeah. about more of a more yeah. like the, the harmony of the gospels. I haven't I've, heard, heard that applied to, specifically to Matthew, not right. to my recollection. I, I I feel like I've heard that said specifically about Matthew more so than the others, whereas the others have more of their own physical structures that like we talked about with with mark is it has its very own specific structure but yeah but matthew having the structure like, of building him towards that messiah rather than explicit right yeah I, I guess and maybe it's Unlike maybe it's John. just because i have more of a narrow view is it's just i don't understand the priestly analogy at all in matthew i see it in john um i can i can see okay. it in luke i don't get any of that in Matthew, unless you're talking about like he can lead us into uh, presence with the Father, um, into God's very presence, and that's there. Yeah. But that, that that's all like that, that comes to mind. Yeah, fair um, enough. I yeah. could just have a narrow, too narrow of a view. Prophet and t- priest, some people use very similarly. Although I, there is a difference. But Jews there would make a, a massive difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jews would yeah. say those things are so not. No, it's <laughs> it's so. This is a complete tangent, but it's about prophets and priests. It's. It's like there's two, from an outsider who's not Jewish, it's like there's two priesthoods. There's one that mm-hmm. does all the things for, like, the religion, and then there's another guy that gets to talk to God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's the one guy that talks to God, and then there's the other guy that talks on the behalf of God. Like, <laughs> right, right. Like That is funny. It is funny. Like, you know, and Compared it's... Compared to how and, we see it today. Yeah. And, and the one gets to talk shit about the other. <laughs> yeah. They're just rebuking each other. Well, yeah. that's not uncommon in Jewish history. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what the minor prophets are, right? Yeah. 
It's like yeah. freelance yeah. priests, yeah. <laughs> which is fun. Um, oh, I got man. But so, there. so there was there was something then because uh, we've talked about Matthew and Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that Matthew and Mark have that I I'm not I don't think. Um, what, oh, Josh looks oh, really excited. I was just gonna say what I what I like about Matthew is what I saw a difference here was it seems like math whereas Mark focused on the kingdom, yeah. Matthew's focusing on the king. Yes, like, but like I, I think that more has more so. to do with him yeah. needing to be a, a descendant of David. Yes. Right? So okay. they didn't really care what kind of kingdom they were getting. Well, they just wanted wood back. Yeah, <laughs> but, but that's what I mean is like, like, they, like it's, it's focusing on the, like, yeah. the, the individual who's leading the kingdom, yeah. whereas Mark is focusing on the kingdom mm-hmm. like because of that like, very Romanesque Latin mm-hmm. competition that's going on in Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in Matthew, it's like, hey, our guy's here, guys, get excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of right. awesome if you see this as the end of Exile. In, yeah. in the OT, right? Um, because hmm. okay, well, what they're doing is, once again, they're like, we want a king again. That's and so- God's like, well, you didn't do very well last time, so I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> That's never, interesting. Never yeah. get a man to do a God's job. <laughs> um, I feel like that's from like the new Thor movie or something. Um, oh, there is something that Matthew and Mark share in common yeah. that's not in the other two Gospels. And this is... I guess we're going a is little it off. The letter M. This is our theory section where we're saying <laughs> unbased things no, 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 no. that might be true. No, no, no. no. I'm just, I, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts it's on. Not, it's not the letter M. The, uh, <laughs> oh my God. One of the, <laughs> one of the sayings of Christ as he's dying on the cross oh, is, oh. my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Both of them record the Aramaic right. beforehand as well. It? Can you say it in Aramaic? Because I cannot. Eli, 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 Lama Shabachthani. Oh, that was wow, pretty good. That was good. Um, we didn't even someone's going to say, Caleb, that's not how you pronounce it, but that's fine. Caleb, that's not how you pronounce it. <laughs> I think you got Eli right. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Let's hope so. Um, but what do you guys think of the significance of that? The other two Gospels don't have that. It's interesting. Do you think there's anything in that? Do you think why, why only recorded in Matthew and Mark? Or is it just one of those things where it's just one of those details that Matthew and Mark share that, uh, you know, Luke was like, I'm running out of page and ink, guys, and things are expensive, which is absolutely fair with Luke because it looks to be the standard size of a well, scroll length. <laughs> right. And w- with, with Luke, does it fit in with the theme that he's trying to present at that point? Well, both of them present, yep. I think, both of them present a kingdom which is brought through by suffering. Mm-hmm. And the other one sh- shows a king which is enthroned by suffering. And I okay. find that interesting, and that's what both of those statements. Wrote. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. What, what, I was what thinking, you guys is think? it because Luke is uh, is all about like Jesus is coming to fix everything, and then so it'd be <laughs> it would be putting him on a bad note if he started off with him also being screwed over by God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like like oh uh, this guy's not going to get anything done. <laughs> so uh, you're saying he just didn't. Well, I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm I thought I understood, and now it just doesn't help his theme. Is what he's saying. Okay, yeah. so you're sure. If, if this guy's like, "Hey, he's gonna fix all the problems between man and God," and then it's just like, "Oh, this guy also is getting," yeah, like, yeah. God's like, "I forsake you." So here's the thing. Yeah, like if you were to, yeah. oh, go ahead. But for the Jews, that would have been like, "Oh yeah, fair enough." <laughs> <laughs> this is why we okay. can't have good things. <laughs> 
I mean, oh I know this goodness. is me reading into it, and it's me trying to think like a first-century yeah. Jew, which I'm not very good at doing. Um, we are second-rate. But we are second-rate for a reason, <laughs> and we'll continue to be for quite a it's while. It's a great, great defense. We're going to use it all the time. Absolutely. Our defenses were not very good at this. <laughs> <laughs> um, could it have been that the it was a better representation of the community to include that Christ also felt forsaken mm. like yeah. the Jews did. That seems like the serious that, answer. That's yeah. probably. And right. I mean, it is obviously no, a reference. I, I like it, it too much. It is obviously a reference to uh, Psalm, hold on. Uh, 22, do, 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 do. I believe. Psalm 22. Yeah. He's, I'm on it. You, man, he's <laughs> quick 23 liar. is gangster's paradise, just so everybody knows. We didn't even rehearse that. You're right. It's Psalm 22. Yeah. Um, <coughs> there is there is that mm-hmm. going on there. It makes a lot of sense that Matthew would do it because he's you know all about like, hey, this is Old Testament and the New. Here we oh, go. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. Also, he's like reference. It's also another reference back to David. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so it makes sense. Mark, Mark's just like get facts and get out of here. And yeah. anyway, what are you going to do about it? This guy's yeah. winning. Be on, are you going to be on his side? <laughs> um, <laughs> Mark is like an army recruitment video. <laughs> and, yeah. and Matthew's like a history class. You could cheer for the Ottawa Senators or the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know who to pick. Yeah. <laughs> pick the Lord. <laughs> Neither. Anyways, this is our incoherent um, advertising for Christ. This is this is the bat. This is the part where we transition so poorly that we lose it all. No, Christ is a senator's fan. That's the point. Okay, let's let's try and summarize Matthew real quick before we head on to the next uh, segment. Summarize. Okay, so Matthew is all about uh, ministering to a Jewish community. This was a big deal because Paul was going to the Gentiles, and he said, you know what, it's a good idea, we should go to the Gentiles. And then Matthew wrote a whole bunch of things about the Old Testament, so he's like, hey guys, this is still relevant for you, you should really pay attention to this, and it's not just uh, the Gentiles that have to deal with it. In fact, just because they trashed our house doesn't mean (laughs) we have to be angry at them. And then he writes about that. And ultimately, it's about uh, Christ's kingdom's coming, um, and it's about David being on the throne forever, and God fulfilling his promises that he made in the Old Testament to this Jewish community, to the sons of God, and continuing on forever and ever, because Christ is king. They have a king again. Currently reigning. They have a king again, and now it's perfect. Yes. Mm. And it will be perfect. It but it's not quite like perfect yet, but it will it be. should, but... Yeah. <laughs> you won't believe what happens next. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> next section. So... We've done Mark. Yes. Josh did Mark. Joel did Matthew. Yep. Just now. Next week we're getting Luke by me. Luke by Colton. Yep. <laughs> um, and I'm very much looking forward to that. But before we end this, we do have a segment. And we're actually going to do a newer segment. Um, Joel, you had a nice name for this one. Yeah, so uh, we're calling this one Reddit in the Bible. <laughs> Which welcome. is really bad. Um, it's not going to be limited to Reddit. All this we're is doing our, is... Okay. Oh, you, Can I just say something before yeah. we start? Um, this is our placeholder for when you guys start leaving comments for us. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> that's a fair. That's a fair statement. All it is is questions about bi- either mm-hmm. biblical history, um, biblical studies, theology, mm-hmm. um, questions off the internet, and so either from biblical academia, ask a biblical scholar, 
some random Facebook post, I guess. I hope I don't have to scour Facebook for them. Oh, please. Um, yeah. Or questions on previous videos or if someone emails in a question, whatever. Um, seeing how we're still... T- Joel just talked about, you know, Judaism and how they how they looked at God and how they saw Christ, right? We're going to keep we're going to keep with that theme. So the question actually was from um r/academic uh, biblical, but the question is, did ancient Hebrews recognize gods from other nations as actual gods almost equal to Yahweh? So it's an internet question. It's got one sentence. I got no clarification for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the word for this, Josh? Uh, henotheism. Okay. He's, I couldn't remember ding, it. Ding, ding, ding. He's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it's similar to polytheism, where mm-hmm. in polytheism, you have a pantheon of gods, and you believe in all of them, usually with a hierarchy, which was common in Babylon, Egypt, Canaan, yeah. the other Semitic places, and Greece. Think, think of Rome. the stereotypical Greek mythology. Yeah. kind of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, except they worshipped all of them. Yes. Yes. And oh, I'm talking, in yeah, henotheism, it's the idea that there are many gods, but your country generally follows one, or your city-state. Yeah. Um, I think a and, lot of the, the Hindu religions, the old Hindu religions, right? No. Or Indic religions, I should say. The, the, uh, well, it's like, for example, is like Babylon was the city of Marduk, yeah. the Babylonian okay. god Marduk. And if you controlled that city, the idea was is that you had power over the entire kingdom of... Mm-hmm. Babylon, uh, Sumer, mm-hmm. uh, Persia, all that stuff, because Marduk was the chief god. And so if you got Babylon, it meant that the chief god was on your side. Um, okay. Or if you controlled the city of Uruk, mm-hmm. um, you, the god Narusin was on your side. Yeah. Um, or Narusin, if you lost, defeated you, your it's, god. Yeah. One of the interesting things with this mm-hmm. that I've found, and I found this, I, I don't have my source for this, so this is just, I guess, apparently from Caleb's memory, but this is Caleb's memory. Um, one of the things that you'll see some ancient Israelites would do is they would carry dirt from ancient prophets. Yeah. They would carry dirt from Israel to wherever they were going to prophesy. Yeah. Normally that meant, well, outside of the the traditional bounds of Judaism at the max that they got to under Solomon. Right. Um, because they believed that they had to bring their God with them. Um, and that's one of the reasons why you see cities are so important. The actual yes. geographical location is where that God resides in some sort of spiritual realm or some sort of temple. Right. But that is his sphere of influence. He, he might have more, but that's his. And there is precedent for it in the Bible where he says, this is my city. Jerusalem, where I reside. Yes, but that when interpreted within yeah. henotheism, that's what it becomes. Yes, um, and I, I, I think that I, I at least uh, saw this in Jonah. Is it's relevant that Jonah, when he didn't, when he doesn't follow through God's commissioning, he doesn't just stay around in Israel, because like mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to defy God and then stay in his backyard. No. Um, I'm going to go as far as I can away. Maybe Spain, because that might be where he was headed. Um, And it's important that he doesn't just hang around in Israel, because it's possible. Because that's where God rules and all that. Right. And so it's possible that even 
Jonah himself was a little henotheistic. Mm. It's been argued, as far as I can tell, um, that Abraham, as the man, was henotheistic. It was like, hey, yeah, you got all your ancestors, gods, blah, 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 whatever. And then one god's like, hey, you, buddy, follow me specifically. And he's like, okay. Um, And this appears to be a thing that Israel Israel flirted with throughout all of the Old Testament. Um, And because it's... Because it's an error, obviously, um, but it's an error so close to polytheism, mm-hmm. it's one of the problems, it's one of the reasons why they fell into Canaanite religion so easily. Yeah. And why, with the return from Babylon, um, there was this massive emphasis on, no, other gods don't, aren't just like not important or lesser, they don't exist. Well, um, <laughs> something I was going to say about that is, I, you guys know more about this than I do, because you've You've mm-hmm. learned about it specifically, <laughs> but uh, in Daniel, when Daniel refers to, uh, was it? Uh, it's not Matthew. Michael, the the archangel mm-hmm. Michael, going to Persia to fight off the archdemon that resides there. Oh, uh, he was held up for a few days from the prince of Persia. Yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sands of time. Yeah, that's a good one. But um, yeah. when he, uh, in that is. I've heard it said, I don't know how true it is, that it's kind of this fighting a little bit of this idea that there are actual gods in Persia, but there's these, they're actually demons who are below God kind of well, idea. Ooh. And Paul would actually second that. Also, sure. the Pentateuch would. The God says oh, yeah, as you're much right. in yes. Deuteronomy when he's with the Balaam mm-hmm. scenario. Yeah. He says that the, the gods right. that they worship are demons. Mm-hmm. Like, just straight up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, now, and that makes a lot of sense for a Christian mm-hmm. idea of, of angelology. Yeah. For a ancient Jewish, um, let's say, uh, spiritual being framework, who knows what actually existed there, but to be honest with you? Because how much has been adapted from uh, Canaanite and mm-hmm. Egyptian... Um, and so when God calls them demons, yeah. it's not like, oh, these are angels that turn bad that are lesser beings than God. Right. Okay, they immediately, oh, yeah, no, when an ancient Israelite read that, he went, oh, I understand now. Mm-hmm. It's more likely that it's, oh, these are evil spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, if the Jewish minds of the time were reading Enoch, they would have a totally different view of what demons are. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think that might be the first conversation I ever had with Josh, <laughs> which is a weird throwback. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's also like this i this general idea that there's like the how do you put it? Yeah. The there is a Jewish presented idea that there are like they were the stars in the sky that fell. Mm-hmm. Um, that the these stars in the sky uh, were became the gods of other religions and started tearing people away from God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, which is similar to the Enoch idea of the Nephilim. But anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nephilim. We're having a whole podcast on it. <laughs> we might. In the future. I'm going to. <laughs> just, and if I have to make a podcast for myself, I'll do it. No, no, it'll just be me and Joel when the other people can't make it. <laughs> You know, yeah. write a document. I'll put it on the blog someday. With the Josh and Joel special, we're well, just talking about demons. This yeah. One. So no. So this is cool. So you got this henotheistic idea of like, do they do they think this? Do they have they fallen into this? Generally, at times they might have, probably have. Um, why they fell into the polytheism, like you were presenting, mm-hmm. the syncretism, why they started worshiping other gods in high places and stuff like that. 
Um, but you've also got the idea that God himself is not a henotheist. No, uh, no, that's not Christianity. No. <laughs> well, which and, which of the minor prophets well, is it that he's just like, hey, which who can tell the future? Yeah, yeah. not you. <laughs> well, well, you've, you've yeah. got this this the the biblical arc is God pulling them away from that idea, kind of, because he goes into Egypt yeah. and just dumpsters their gods at their own Yeah, yep. I mean, right? all of the the plagues are just yeah. him dunking on Egyptian gods. Yeah. Well, and it's just like, like, oh, you have no power here. Mm-hmm. I'm in your land. Sure. What are you going to do yeah. about it? Yeah. Right? And then he pulls them across multiple countries. He pulls Abraham across multiple countries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Or- and then you've got this idea that God says, I fill the earth. Well, yeah. how about you also have the ark that's taken by the Philistines? They put him in f- beside their yeah. god Dagon, yeah. and he just falls over, handbrakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, a couple times, and they're just like, what? Falls <laughs> over prostrate before the yeah. ark. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about First Samuel 5, if that's what we're going to do. Because it's literally <laughs> the ark being lost. Yeah. And then they don't even go and get it. No, God yeah. brings it back because he's powerful enough to defeat the gods by himself. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the Israelites. No, no, no. It's actually a point. Here's yeah. one of the most baller moves. Okay, Samuel 5 is literally just Tales of the Traveling Box. <laughs> it's awesome. When it comes back to the Israelites, they don't take care of it properly. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. oh you're, you're not much better than them. He touches the box. Boom. Dead. Yeah, dead. They don't know. It's, they're terrified. Yeah. Like, they're just like, how did it get back here? <laughs> like, like, Indiana Jones. On? Indiana Jones should have been a totally different movie. Oh, it would have been so cool. <laughs> it should just have been everyone five, in fear yeah. in boils dying on a hill. No, actually, I think that's <laughs> what happened. Oh, is it? I haven't seen it. <laughs> you haven't seen Indiana Jones? The book was better. <laughs> There's no way you read the book. No, no that's so what, what we're watching. Yeah, we're going to watch it Okay, later. no, no, that's oh, what happens. The, yeah. the Nazis steal the Ark of the Covenant, yeah. and then a, uh, Indiana Jones can't get it back, so they open it, all the spirits inside kill all the Nazis, oh. and then just the Ark's just waiting there for Indiana to pick it up. Well, don't forget that because they close their <laughs> eyes, they don't die. Spoiler alert! That's kind of actually exactly yeah. what happens to first. Yeah, to but, but not just that, he does it to five different cities, like the five major cities of the Philistines. <laughs> yep. Have I told the Samuel pun on this podcast oh, yet? No. Uh, yes, you have. Yeah. yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah, like, like if you follow <laughs> where the Ark, because they this like the... the it, the first city takes it. Yeah. He dunks on Dagon. Yeah. And then they're just like, get this away from us. They drop it over to their neighbor's city. They're like, this thing's cursed. It yeah. goes to three cities. Right? It's yeah. crazy. And then that city starts getting tumors mm-hmm. and like yeah. rats and mm-hmm. the plague. And they're just like, this thing sucks. Drop it over on the other <laughs> yeah, city. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then they're just like, they just put it on. The third city's just like, oh, this isn't worth it. Yeah. They just put it on a cart, load it back to Israel yeah. without a driver yep. because yeah. they're just like, like this thing's going to get yeah. itself back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just, the cows just walk themselves back to Israel. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then Eli dies. Yeah. 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 And then God's like, hey, stop messing around because I'm not. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, whoa, okay. And that's in the middle of them asking for a king to protect them. Well, no, like all the other guys have kings. He goes, "You got a box." Well, no, dude. because they bring it. They bring it out, thinking that if they bring out the box, they're going to win the battle because they can get God to fight for them. Mm. Yeah. And God's like, "No, I, I'm fighting for you. Yeah. Re- regardless. Yeah. yeah, you don't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm blessing you. 
Well, in the ancient world, it was famous that the Ark of the Covenant was good luck for the Israelites. Yeah. It was like their God was defeating everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when they got it, they were like, we have the ultimate weapon. It's like, no, dude. He's like, no, 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 no. That box is powerful because of me. Not, like, I'm not powerful because, you're not powerful because of the box. Yeah. And it's the same method with, like, the temple, where he's like, Samuel's, uh, Solomon's like, yeah, I've done this great thing. And God's like, like, yeah, it doesn't matter how many hundreds of thousands of animals you sacrifice for this temple. Mm-hmm. It's only yeah. special because I'm in it. Yeah. yeah. And that's only going to happen if you're you obedient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is the end part of it is just reiterating. Let's bring this back, yeah. back to the question. Did yeah. ancient Hebrews recognize other gods from other nations as actual gods almost equal with Yahweh? The almost equal, probably, but they shouldn't have. The bad Jew would. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's no other god before For me. me. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, I think that if they were truly an Orthodox ancient Jew or a Orthodox mm-hmm. Israelite, they wouldn't put him on the same level well, as Yahweh. If, no. No. if they, they would were have no obedient. Reason they should not but the story of the Old Testament is that they were not. Yeah. It's, yeah. From what I've heard, it's the average layman Hebrew probably did. He probably yeah. did subscribe to Henotheism. Right. Moses, some of the high priests, some of the kings the more, let's say, devout or learned, may not. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like how uh, medieval peasants thought that um, schizophrenia was a sign of being demon, not demon-possessed, but like uh, being cursed by God and stuff. It's like they're they're, they're wrong, but they're not so wrong that it's... It's not functional? It's a a progression (laughs) in understanding God and understanding the Bible. Um, Right. It's, it's right not entirely clear either how many characters in the Old Testament subscribe to henotheism and how many subscribe to monotheism. monotheism yeah, because yeah. it's a lot of and a lot of times when the mm-hmm. when the vocabulary is our God is better than your God. Yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean that I believe that your God is an actual deity. All that yeah. I'm saying is, hey, what you call Yahweh's a God better. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not, not yeah, and it's like in this in this grand way, and back to the point that I was making about how like God's not a henotheist. Is like he says, like no, yes, I'm in this city, but I'm also throughout the entire world. Um, yeah. He has influence everywhere in the stories. Um, he also, also claims to have made everything. Mm-hmm. None of the other gods claim to have made everything. They 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 create a part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, like okay. they create a part of creation, or they created the land, or the land is a god. Mm-hmm. God saying everything that yeah. exists, I created. Yeah, everything that can be known. I know. Mm-hmm. I've searched the depths. I control the depths. Yeah. Like there's also a big idea of God can't be conquered. Yeah. With even the story of Jezebel and and uh, yeah. Elijah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this this constant like he's constantly presenting how much greater he is than mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. No one before me. No like the whole Job narrative at mm-hmm. the end where he's just like. Hey, all of these things, also this great enemy that other religions count as equally opposite to a god, or is a god. Yeah. Oh, it's it's just something I made on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, can't we see some of this slipping into, when we think about, okay, so maybe this is too much of a tangent, but when we think about um, god and Satan as direct rivals, um, mm-hmm. as if they're right, as if, as if they have each equal other. power. So that would be something from Zoroastrianism where there is a yes. good and evil and like there's two two wolves kind of a thing. Yeah, right? uh, dualism. Uh, dualism, sure. yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like that would be the modern equivalent of... Of this? Uh, of like, this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 
I, I, of the idea that there's believing there's something equal to God. To God, but yeah. however, it's just slightly lower. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess if uh, if someone didn't know what they were, didn't know their stuff very <laughs> well. Yeah. They, I've, um, there's a book I'm meaning to read. Or if you're a Mormon, but that's <laughs> that. There's a lot. The dualism is rising in Christianity. Yeah. A lot, especially with like philosophers. Mm-hmm. This idea that it's uh, good versus evil. That God is good versus the evil, mm-hmm. and like the evil is opposite of him equally so yeah where god is saying like no i'm yeah i'm above this whole mess yeah everything everything is below me yeah yeah almost like part of the gospels is that yeah or something like that yeah maybe jesus is king or something it's almost like he's above <laughs> death and above yeah. every sin that could possibly be thrown at him yeah mm-hmm. right well and like that gets Matthew into chris's victor yeah. Is, is Victor, man. It's, it's almost like it's I almost like theory. Matthew actually ends with all authority under heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go commission. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> go yeah. Commission. And I will always be with you even to the <laughs> end of the age. Yeah. Um, because he's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, he's not heliotheistic. Yeah. That's yeah. Matthew. That's Matthew. And that's um, I guess our first online question. Uh, if you have your own questions, leave them down in the comment section. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to hearing Colton's can't wait stuff on Luke. Luke it's gonna be great mm-hmm. um highly encourage you to hear that episode yeah. and Josh's previous uh stuff on Mark on yeah Mark you know Woo. actually yeah. before you told me that I was doing Luke I thought there was only three gospels so I can't wait to read it <laughs> oh it'll be great won't it uh, we're gonna get a really good take <laughs> also um guys it'd be really great to hear in comments even if you're like like we don't got very many people at this point. <laughs> just like, if you could write stuff in the comments, that would feed our ego. Yeah. And then we would be able to respond to you guys in our like segment. Shouldn't and then you guys could be a part of the podcast. Yeah. Oh my God. That is actually kind of our whole idea. Like yeah. on our website, our whole quote unquote mission statement is we just want to create an online community where we incorporate people into the Absolutely. fun conversations yeah. that we have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good conversations with God. It's awesome. To learn and to discuss. Yeah. 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 Well, I'd like to welcome him, or I'd like to <laughs> welcome you to the beginning. Podcast. Welcome to the uh, beginning. We're starting it now. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for getting this far, um, and we'll see you next week. 